So now I've got that in our consciousness. If I see you making that gesture at me, I'm going to turn around. <laughs> okay, got that sorted? Have we got, the, um, have we got something up on the screen? Oh, yep. Okay, what do you reckon? What is the pelican thinking? There goes lunch. Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> Very good. Any other calls? About to hit an airplane. What's the fish thinking? Yeah. Funny how a picture looks different from a different perspective, isn't it? I, um, Linda and I spent, not last week, last week was um, catching up on paperwork and chasing through, um, the week before last, away at Baptist Assembly. Actually, um, Alan and Jan were at the BMF day, um, the missions-related day. And uh, when we were up in um, Palmerston North, I got to meet up with Jason again. Um, roughly 20 years ago, roughly? Yeah, Linda's better at detail than me. Um, I picked up Jason um, in a beaten up old car. Um, he was addicted to heroin. And we put him in this car and drove him to our house because we lived in a house um, that was full of people getting off drugs, recovering heroin addicts, and I had to search through his bags looking for drugs. Um, no drugs were found, but cockroaches were. Um, and I haven't seen Jason since. Um, so 20 years, and it was awesome to see him because 20 years ago he was trapped as an addict um, in this horrible cycle. He was oppressed. It was like the pelican had him in his beak and was thinking lunchtime. Trapped in a cycle of addiction and abuse, and he met Jesus, and really and truly Jesus set him free. That's the core of the Christian good news, is you get set free. We get set free. In Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, Jesus said he came to proclaim release to the captives. In John 8, 36, he said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jason got his life back, and he went from death and a bag full of cockroaches to new life. Like the hungry, clumsy pelican in the photo, sin had its grip on Jason, and Jesus set him free. And it was fantastic to see him again. They have bought a, bought a property, they're going to build a house, and he was full of the plans and really not aware of the costs, I think. So he was waxing lyrical about all the things he was going to do, but it was just so great to see him alive, married, with kids, a job, enthusiasm, and life. For since God led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of the beak of a hungry and heartless Pharaoh, we've known that God rescues people from slavery, and God still does. A chap called Paul wrote, It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In Jesus Christ, this was done. We were set free so that we could be set free, which is fundamentally good news. So, right at this moment in time, if you're studying for exams, and you may feel like this is bullying you and beating you up, actually, in Christ, you have been set free. Whatever it is, that doesn't mean you get out of them necessarily, much as you might wish. Whatever it is that terrorizes you and bullies you and oppresses you, that steals life from you, that's the stuff that Christ came to give us freedom from.
But if you've ever been set free, you face a challenge. So how are you going to live? And of course, Jason faced this. He um, lived with us for, I'm actually not sure how long he lived for us in, in our house. Um, it may have been a year. He spent that kind of time period of time. Linda nodded, so I'm feeling better. And, and it took a lot longer to get out and stay out of the habits of addiction to drugs. Um, it's like the classic movie, there's an awful lot of Shawshank before you get to redemption. It's difficult, it's challenging to work, but he, and Jason fell over just like us. He fell over and got up and fell over and got up and fell over and got up and he's free and it's a delight and a joy to see and Jason's freedom is found in Christ. And that's not just Jason's story, that is the story of all the followers of Jesus. Paul does not write, it's just for you. Christ has set you free. No, he says Christ has set us free. That's y'all and me. That's us. That's koto, not koi. It's us together, free in Christ together. And that was one of the earliest catch cries of um, the earliest Baptist churches. They believed Christ had set them free. In Christ was freedom, freedom from bishops, freedom from the government telling them everything. But it wasn't freedom to do just anything because it was freedom in Christ. And they thought that we were most aware of that when we were together. For wherever two or three were gathered, Christ was present. And here we are. Can you see Jesus? Ooh. Being gathered together doesn't mean you have all the answers. Um, we're all learning. And those first early Baptist churches reckoned that we were free in Christ to walk together, to learn together, to seek God's will together, to worship together, and to witness together. And can you notice a repeated word? Together. This sense that when we are together, we can remind each other of who we are, people loved by God. We can remind each other that actually we're not slaves, even though at times we feel like slaves. We're not. Christ has set us free. Our sins were nailed to the cross. Done. Yep. We remind ourselves because we forget. We forget who we are, just like the people of Israel kept forgetting what it was like to be rescued by a God. So they looked back and said, could you just go back to this? I mean, you've given us this and this and this, but I really, we forget. So we get together, and one of the functions of church is to try to remember. Remember that we are set free. Remember what it is to be the people of God. One of the tricky things about being a Christian in today's world is um, we have access to so many voices. You can uh, do a search on YouTube and have a thousand people tell you this really inspirational stuff, and I would inspirational stuff, and I would hesitate to say how many of them are complete flakes, because that you, know, you can have a million voices in the mix, and pretty much the background message of the, most of them is if you just do this, whatever it is, add this to your life, then this wonderful stuff will happen. And a steady diet of that, what does that tell us? It tells us that whatever we've got now, it's not enough. We've got to get something else. 
And so we buy stuff. We buy books, we buy courses, we run around the place. I'm, you know, geek, I buy gadgets, it's guilty. Um, I try to buy them secondhand. But we go on this hunt for the other, and we kind of forget wherever two or three gathered in my name there, I am with them. There's a place where Jesus says it to a bunch of Pharisees. He says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Hmm, that's a bit tough. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, which makes some of those books just a bit kind of, yep, and, and actually what I say, a bit questionable. Because the kingdom of God is, read it with me, in your midst. This is like I heard a story of someone who went, um, was on a long drive and they, um, they saw a sign pointing to a mountain. The mountain had a name. I can't remember what the name is, so I'll, I'll make it up. I'll call it Blimit. Yep. Um, yeah. So um, a sign for Mount Blimit, and they think, let's go to... <laughs> Thanks, someone just made this, your flies undone, sister. <laughs> I did promise I'd turn around. Okay, now. <laughs> so they started driving up this, this road looking for Mount Blimit, and they just couldn't, the clouds were over them, they just couldn't see it, and they kept stopping and stopping and stopping and thinking, oh, hopeless. What a hopeless road. Can't get there at all. And so uh, they're, they're off in the distance, and they look back, and they'd been on the mountain the whole time. The kingdom of God is in our midst, present. Now, we're on the mountain. And one of our jobs when we get together in church is to keep reminding ourselves how loved we are by God. And we, one of the practices we take is we take communion together. We take an effort to remember what has happened in our lives, where God is at work, even where God feels like, where it feels like God is absent. But that just means that God is hidden, that God is still with us. In communion, we remember what God has done for this. But before we do that, I thought it would just be good to have a few people speak to tell some stories. Um, I've asked, Linda's got the unfortunate job of breaking the ice. Hi, Linda. Um, and so at the moment, I've got Linda um, and Ian, and there may be some other people who want to share a story. This is uh, a bit from, uh, you're going to reflect a bit from time up in Palmerston North? Yeah. I'll pass over. Okay, so it's not really a story, but it's many stories. Um, so, yeah, Colin asked me just to reflect on um, the hui. We went um, up to Palmerston North, as he'd said, to, to the hui, and it's my third one that I've been to recently in the last three years. I never used to like them, actually. Colin's been a minister for 20 years, and I never used to like them when I went, but I went three years ago and got blown away by God and um, by just meeting up with people who are really engaging with um, our moving culture and um, grappling with theology and um, yeah so and it was yeah it's been a challenge each time when I've gone and um, so just really enjoyed it again this time um, yeah we yeah it's, it was awesome to meet people who are passionate about their faith and so there were three highlights we had uh, a long time away, um, and, but actual assembly is only kind of from Thursday night to Saturday night, um, and uh, in that time, there were sort of three highlights. One of them was a talk about Baptist history, which was really amazing. I think Colin's going to talk about that more at some other time, but the original Baptists were 
really great rebels, which um, I appreciated. And also, <laughs> um, another talk was by a Christchurch woman, actually by um, Daphne Marsden, who was speaking about domestic violence in um, Christian families, which was incredibly gutting. Um, yeah, I, I spent a lot of that, that talk crying, um, but I was just incredibly proud of her um, that she's a, been addressing that, um, looking at it, opening it up, opening up the rest of our eyes to what is actually going on an awful lot. And um, yeah, so that was, that was, you could call it a highlight. I'm not quite sure if that's quite the right word, but... Um, and then the other thing I wanted to just talk about a bit more, because I probably don't have time to talk deeply about those other two things, but... Um, was uh, it, for us it started Monday afternoon, um, oh, Tuesday I suppose, yeah, whatever. We, um, there were, over the years they've sort of evolved to have meetings before the meetings. So um, um, Colin and I started on sort of Tuesday morning, I guess, with a meeting. And then on Wednesday morning I went to um, what has for a long time been, just before assembly was the, the mission day with Jan and Alan, and it's called the, it used to be called the BMF day, before that it was called the BWMU day, I think. Um, uh, but it's it's all about the Baptist mission, and each time over Hui, um, Colin and I separated and spent uh, effectively we spent a day and a half in different meetings, and um, each time I was at a different meeting with him, I just felt like man, Colin's missing out. You know, this meeting is so good, so I took heaps of um, notes and just to say um, before I get back to the mission day you guys all missed out, and I'm sad about that, but next year it's in Christchurch, and so just hold on to, it's around about uh, Matariki, it's around about Guy Fawkes every year, so just that time of the year, um, yeah, make sure you try to go to Christchurch, you don't have to go, if you go during the day, you have to pay money, you don't have to pay money, um, you can just go in the evenings, or you can go, as long as you don't eat, I think you can go without paying money, it's, it's very expensive to eat at assembly. <laughs> But yeah, think about going, because it's just an amazing experience. Um, so yeah, always for me, me a mission is, um, a, a highlight is mission day. And this year was an end of an era. They had um, 415, I think, years, um, BWMU has been meeting. And um, they, they've, this year they, they incorporated the whole, um, the, the prayer groups into the whole mission society because most of the people who go to the prayer groups have got older, they've got smaller, and they just didn't need to have them as an extra society with treasure and all that sort of stuff anymore. But because it was a special day of incorporating them, they told a bit of the history. And um, yeah, the women who started the group in Hanover Street in Dunedin were amazing women of God, and they were amazing prayer warriors, and they wouldn't let the culture of the day stop them. And, um, yeah, I found that incredibly inspiring. And so they got together, they prayed, they made an awful lot of money for the people who are out there in India and, and Bangladesh and stuff. And that was so significant that they couldn't be ignored by the men in the church. And for us... <laughs> For women, that's actually quite significant, um, and for our new culture in New Zealand today. And so they asked these women, the president got to speak at the AGM of the church, and the women weren't actually even members in those days. They only could be fellowship members or whatever it was. So this woman got to speak to talk about what they were doing at BWNU. And then another six years later, she got to speak at the whole national hui, which was called assembly or whatever it was called in those days, and 
so that was, for me, really good. As somebody who celebrates equality all my life um, and have been privileged to be able to do that as a, um, um, in a family that also celebrated that, I was really excited to hear that about those Baptist women um, just paving the way for us. And I guess the other thing, so that was just one little thing that happened. The other amazing thing about Mission Days is you meet missionaries, and they have amazing stories, and they're really doing the business that we all want to be doing and sharing their lives and sharing the gospel with people who don't know, and also in amazing social justice situations. They're making big differences in schools, businesses, factories, and learning language, and it was just fantastic. Sometimes I've prayed... Um, I've been in a group that's prayed for them. I've prayed for them at home. I've never met some of these people, and it was great to meet some of them. And some of them I know really well, and it was great to re- reconnect with them. And, you know, um, they reminded us of opportunities that we have to get involved. And I feel really inspired to get more involved in missions, and I would really love to hear from any of you guys that might he- feel that way as well. I know we all got really Um, fired up when Gareth went to India and it was so exciting and just I think if anybody else has got stuff on their heart that they'd like to do they told us about so many things that were like from writing letters to to English teachers who English is not their first language just so that people get a normal a normal written letter um, through to playing cricket which I found was such a hardship um, in Bangladesh I just um, there were so many things that we can do and apart from obviously raising funds which is really important as well Um, and yeah so um, we can sell free set bags so I've got one here and just um, while I was away it's lovely with Colin I've been effectively away for three weeks with bits and pieces and it's always lovely to have Facebook and hear all these people celebrating Um, there's lots of good things that happen while we've been away you guys the students doing well and head boys and things like that and uh, um, I just was really really touched again to hear George's wee story when she got a prize at school and um, that she gave she got a uh, $500 for and uh, to donate to charity, and she donated it to Freeset. So I was like, "Wow, well done, Georgia!" So, yeah. So it's great to have to hear to keep in touch, but it's lovely to be home as well. Oh, I Ian, how nervous are you feeling? You love this moment, don't you? Ask Ian to come and tell us something about what's happening with Twenty Four Seven and Shirley Boys. Tell us a story. Yeah, right. sure. Um. Term four as a youth worker is scary. Term, <laughs> it's the year that is full of the term that is full of emotions. It's the term that's full of sadness. It's the year thirteens leave, as especially in Shirley this term we've had a lot of sadness to start the term with staff members passing away, um, seniors leaving, and all sorts of year nine and ten dominance problems. Um, but. Overall, it's, it's to me is the fact that I've seen the small victories through things. I've seen victories, as some of I said before, a few months ago I went to Dunedin with the school over the holidays. And as much as I was just there to watch kids ride bikes and ride bikes, um, I saw young people come up to me and ask me why I'm here. Why am I here? Why am I spending time that I'm not getting paid with them? And being able to answer to say it's my joy to actually sit there and serve them and serve alongside them, opened up to so many conversations around school that we now have some of those boys actually turning up to our prayer meetings, wanting to understand more about why we're serving and why we're there. And there's, there's small victories through that, and then there's been so many this term as we had. Like, we had a boy at the start of the term 
um, who was on, taken to the board of overall things where he could have been kicked out of school or sent away somewhere. Um, he was right on, the, right on the edge and by literally a miracle of God they've managed to keep him into school and he's turned his non-passing grade into graduating into year 10, um, which is super exciting. I mean, it's been an interesting term so far as I've lost Jasper as well, so it's put a bit more stress on things. But at the same time, God's provided in other ways as well as offering me and providing with me another job to go alongside 24-7 so I can now actually sustain myself and sustain the lifestyle I want to live, which is a blessing. I've been offered 27 hours of part-time work at a local bike shop, which is the two things I love put together. So if that's not God moving, I don't really know what it is. Um, And it's just cool to see that. And to this, this is just mission to me. Like, this is local mission. Um, it's encouraging me to want to do overseas mission at the same time, but right now I feel like I'm in a mission field where I can make a difference and I can see God moving. So, yeah. Keep, keep praying for Ian and Jasper and for Gary as he um, coordinates that. Is there anyone else who'd like to share? Not being forewarned. We'll just do, let's try 30 seconds of awkward silence. Oh, Kevin's up. Yep. Oh, it's really going for the awkward moment. I've been told to embrace the cringe factor. You can be awkward while I'm talking. Okay. You'll need a mic. I just wanted to share, there's a number of you know we do Backpackers Barbecue, and it was just encouraging uh, to hear people engaging and talking with us. And and one of the questions they often ask, why do we do it? And I remember one German backpacker who we encountered, uh, he was sort of wanting to engage and talk, um, and we shared quite a bit, and I did, uh, we shared good news, it was good news in terms of a free meal and a, and a, and a feed, and it's very natural to in, and talk with people over a meal, and over that time we had quite a discussion, I did manage to share aspects of the gospel both um, to him, and at the end of it he said, you know, I just don't see the need, and, and then there was just this awkward silence, and I just praying, God, what do you want me to say next? And then there was nothing, and I thought, okay, I'll just leave that. And he, and it was just a natural silence, and he said, I'm just going to catch up with some of my friends. So he went away and talked to them. And then at the very end, he came back, and he just said to me, you know, I just want to thank you and your God for what you guys have done here tonight, because that's what made me really think about this. So thank you for that. And he left. I've never seen the guy again, but I just hope and pray that that small encounter uh, can make a big difference for eternity from him. And so that was just a really encouraging moment that we can just use any moment when we're encountering people to be good news where we are, where we're at, both physical, uh, meeting their physical needs or spiritual needs. So I just want to share that brief story. Anyone else? Yep. Go, AJ. Hi. Um, So some of you may know over New Year's I'm going to be in Nelson doing a beach mission with Student Life and thanks to God and some of you I've managed to raise just over the funds that I need Um, and to all those who I haven't quite finished contacting if you would like to donate still then it will go towards other people in my group who haven't quite got there yet or to a bus which we might have to get but yeah I've got the all the money that I need to go so that's great oh you're a brave man Gareth we never do this when someone's looking to see if anyone wants to speak (laughs) I am 
The, the odd bit for me when we were away was going to Ratana. Anyone ever been to Ratana? Know what it is? It's a, um, it's, it's a really interesting place. I kind of knew, oh, it's some kind of Christian secty thing was what I had thought. Um, but actually, it has a fascinating story. And we were there 100 years after um, this guy, Ratana. So this is just about the time of the end of World War I. He has this... Um, he has this, well, they actually called it the Maori Pentecost. He has this revelation of God, and then there's all these healings. And they have a, this house, they have this fari uh, Maori, they call it, that's full of wheelchairs and crutches and spectacles um, from people who've been healed, um, and full of weapons that have killed people where people went, I'm renouncing this afterwards. And uh, look, um, it was a bit like going to an AMP show, um, in that there's, you know, they had brass bands and people in uniforms, but all um, in Tereo, so you had no idea what was going on. It was like going to another country's, but it was our country. And what really hit me is I just kind of was turning over, wow, a hundred years ago, God did this here. That sense of not forgetting that God is in our midst, always in, his, in our midst. We don't know what God's going to do next but to have our eyes open and looking. And in our age when it's so easy to polarise into arguments against where you talk past each other, to be looking for, God, could you be working here? Now, we're going to move into a time of communion. I'm going to need a little bit of help. I have not picked out six people to help serve. So when we come to that part, I'd really like it if six people came up, I've no idea who will, and, and serve. The idea of six is, you know, one, uh, two, 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 roughly, yep. Um, just still aiming for that. But I thought that given that, uh, I, I thought that maybe we could have kids help us do communion today. Um, in the Jewish Passover, they have this process where the youngest person at the table asks a question, and it frames things up. Familiar with that? So the way I'd like to try and do communion is like that. And so I need a couple of young people who will ask the question in yellow. And then, can you read the stuff in blue? Well, that was a bad choice of colour, wasn't it? If you can read the stuff in blue, it says, listen and we will hear. And then we'll say some things about what happens with communion. So could I hear some young people ask the yellow question? That's great. Okay, let's try it together. One, two, three. <coughs> and we all respond, listen and we will hear. On the night before he died, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, shared it with his disciples, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. After they had eaten, he took the cup of wine, gave thanks, and shared it with his disciples, saying, This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, Father, with this bread and these cups, we celebrate his love, his death, his risen life. As you feed us with these gifts, 
Send your Holy Spirit and change us more and more to be like Jesus, our Saviour. Not quite finished. Another question. Trying for the younger ones. One, two, three. Listen and we will hear. Help us, Father, to love one another as we look forward to that day when suffering is ended and all creation is gathered in your loving arms. And now, together with the saints gathered here, we give you glory through Jesus Christ in the strength of the Spirit today and forever. I'm going to sit down and I'd like six people to come up and grab a bit and pass bread and juice around. We're not going to play any music. We're together. It's that people are making noises. If you have to shift or um, if there's, uh, it, that's all fine. Yep. So we're, trying, we're aiming for that unawkward silence of being present together in the presence of God. Thank you.